Loving Father, thank you so much for the technology that enables us to be here together tonight on live stream. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to us now by your word as we look at how you have given us Jesus, who is our light. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the world locks down, we will discover many things that we take for granted. Uh, The recent supermarket shortages uh, have shown us how we we depend on the ease of popping down to Freddo's just to grab things that we, we mostly need. But when I last shopped there, there was no toilet paper, there was no hand sanitizer, there was no rice and a bunch of other things as well. Uh, the only meat was there was uh, kangaroo and lamb shanks. Uh, I haven't tried kangaroo before, but I, I like the lamb shanks. But we're, we're experiencing that as, a, as an impact. And you think, hang on, I really felt like I wanted sausages, but there were none there. <laughs> we are feeling this in other places as well, of course. Uh, I've popped into uh, to KFC last night with Oscar as we drove back from the hospital. He went to have his surgery yesterday, got the plates out and, and everything like he's, he's doing really well. Shout out to Oscar. He's watching at home. Uh, but when we went into KFC, uh, check this out. This is KFC Engadine. It's, it looks like it's been a hazmat situation. You can't go in and sit down there and have your meal. You can take away and then you get out. I think that's weird. I've, I haven't seen that before. You see, things that we have taken for granted, like going to KFC and sitting down in a chair, uh, those sorts of things are being taken away for us and we really miss them. Uh, but, you know, there are some things that are really, I'm missing an awful lot, and, and that is the ability to shake hands with people and, uh, and, and to be able to have a hug with someone. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a bit of a huggy kind of guy, uh, and I, uh, I miss that. I really, really miss that. I uh, met some people in the street just the other day and he put his hand out to shake my hand and I had to shake his hand, of course. I mean, then I'm hand sanitizers and I'm safe and everything, but it's like, this is crazy. And I miss that. I, I just miss going down to Fredo's, getting some sausages and shaking someone's hand. But this pandemic is going to show us so many things that we love but have taken for granted and have been removed from us. One thing that we take for granted uh, but but can never take for granted is light. See, light is part of everyday life. And it's one of those things that you don't often notice till it's gone. Uh, you blow a fuse and you bump around in the dark trying to look for a torch or for a candle. Um, you know, light is just part of our life, everyday life. And when it's missing, it's a big problem. If you've ever been in a cave before, you'll know that when you, you go caving, you've got your head torches on and then you turn them off And it is so dark that even when you put your hand in front of your face, you can't see it. You realise what life is like without light. See, we might think it's just a big nuisance when we don't have light. But if we didn't have light, we wouldn't live. If If the sun stopped producing light, then life on earth would soon die. You know, the the first words that God says in the Bible are all about light. He says, let there be light. And then we get creation. Light is the thing that started life, and without it, life stops. That's why we like light. Well, most of the time. See, some people actually like darkness. If you're trying to escape from a jail at night, uh, you don't want light. Stay away from the spotlight. Or if you're a cockroach in my kitchen, I turn the light on, you will run away. Light is something that people avoid when they're running away from something. But light also has the power to disinfect. 
something we seem to be discussing a bit more than we've done for a long time, obviously. You know, sunlight can make our white shirts whiter and also can make our car dashboards fade. It's a powerful force for cleaning, but also for removing dirt. You see, light is powerful in so many different ways. And it's, that is why it is great to hear that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Have a look at, where, at the, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, which is the start of the section of the Bible we're looking at today. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. Light that leads to life. Jesus said he's the light of the world and his followers will never walk in darkness. And I tell you, that sounds like good news to me. But what does it really mean? Well, last week we heard that Jesus is the bread of life, which we kind of understood to mean that he is satisfying. You you eat on him and you're never hungry spiritually again. Uh, But what does it mean when Jesus says he is the light of the world? What does that mean? Does it mean he's light in the sense of disinfectant? Does it mean that he's light in the sense of bringing life, you know, kind of like sunlight, photosynthesis, all that stuff? Uh, Does it mean that he's light, sort of like when you're following somebody with a torch and you know where to go because of it? Well, let's explore for the next little while just what he means when he says, I am the light, Uh, because I I think we'll be really pleased to see what it is that he means, because I think there's bits of all of that, really. But the point is in all of this that Jesus makes a real difference in life. It really makes a difference when he says, I am the light of the world. And have a look again at this verse. Verse 12, he says, I spoke to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So at first glance, it seems that Jesus is talking about a light that shows us the way, that gives us direction in life. Um, But is that all that he's saying? Well, let's have a look and see what happens next in this episode in Jesus' life. He says this, and then there's a big response. And the response helps us sort of work out what they all thought he was meaning by this and why it's controversial. Uh, He's hanging around with some old-fashioned religious freaks. They're called Pharisees in the Bible. And they're not a big fan of what he's just said. John chapter 8, verse 13, the Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself? Such testimony is not valid. Well, Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, My judgment will be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, then their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they asked. Well, Jesus answered, well, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. So there's a bit of conflict there. Can you see that? And this conflict is going to give us a clear insight as to exactly what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light. Because in all of this, we see that these Pharisees 
They don't believe Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the light. And they say, no, you're not. And Jesus says, I've got me and I've got my father in heaven. And we agree. And they say, no, they don't believe him. Not at all. And the reason that it is such a big issue is because he is making a huge claim, a controversial claim. But why? And what does it mean? Well, the answer is found by looking at what happened in the Bible before the time of Jesus. And we need to sort of see what the Old Testament says about light. Old Testament is the bit in the Bible. It's the first two-thirds of the Bible before Jesus came. It tells us what to expect when Jesus turns up. And that's what we're going to look at, just a couple of bits there, because that's why it's there. Uh, In Exodus chapter 13, it's okay, so they're, they're just about to go through the Red Sea. The Lord is leading them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And this is what we read, verse 21. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night. You see, the Lord God was leading them by the light. We see that God led Moses and his people with light. He's leading them. And so maybe when Jesus is saying that he is the light of the world, then what in fact he's saying is that he is the Lord God. Well, let's go a bit further in the Old Testament. Uh, in, uh, much later on, um, King David is saved by God. And this is what King David sings to God in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 29. He says, O Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. What's uh, what's David comparing the Lord God to? The light. And then in the main songbook of the Bible, the book of Psalms, we read this in Psalm 27. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? The Lord God is called the light. Now, a bit later on in the prophet Isaiah, he talks about meeting the coming saviour of the world, uh, the one who is to come that we're waiting for. And he says, chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great Light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Who's he talking about? Well, a couple of verses later on, very famous Christmas kind of verses. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, who is he talking about here? Isaiah is saying in the years to come, the people would see a great light. And then he tells us exactly what we see when Jesus returns. God's people were promised a light who would lead them. Light means leading. God appeared as a light, and we see that people called him a light. And so when the coming Savior appears, what do we expect him to be like? A light. That's the backdrop behind this episode in Jesus' life. And so the reason that the Pharisees got so upset by what Jesus said, these religious types, is that when Jesus says he is the light, he claims to be God. And they were not a big fan of that at all. This is why it is 
so controversial when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But it's why it's so exciting for us that Jesus can say, I am the light of the world, and we can know that at that point we are face to face with God. And he shows this with the proof in verses 17 to 18 of chapter 8 that we already saw. Jesus says, your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my father who sent me is the other. The two of us agree. You're not going to get better witnesses than us. So just take it as truth. But they didn't like it. In fact, they rejected Jesus because they didn't know God. They rejected Jesus because they didn't know God. So Jesus said to them in the next verse I read out before, where is your father? They asked. Now, it's clear who Jesus is talking about. They say, where is your father? Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. So these religious leaders claim to be true followers of God. But Jesus says that they are fakes. They are frauds. They are con men. And so they're really not interested in following Jesus because they don't think he's God. And so in verse 20, it says that Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. They rejected Jesus, and we know how it all ends up. They ended up crucifying Jesus. They thought, let's get rid of Jesus, and we get rid of the problem. But when Jesus said he was the light of the world, what he was doing is he was giving us a powerful message that resonates even to this day. Jesus offers us direction in the dark. It's kind of like when you're following somebody and you're in the dark and and there's only one person with a torch and you see them up ahead and you travel behind them. It's just like the pillar of light that led God's people safely out of slavery in Egypt. He lights up the road ahead so we can travel safely behind him. Friends, our nation, our world is in darkness We don't know where to turn. We don't know where to go. Our leaders are doing, I think, it seems a great job as they give us press conference after press conference and they give us answers and we need to keep praying for them because I tell you what, they've got a tough job. But in the end, we are all in darkness if we don't follow Jesus. And he is saying, I am the light. Follow me and this will make sense. Life will make sense. We need direction, and that's what Jesus gives us. Now, how is it that he leads us? How is it that he gives us this leadership? Well, it's not like he's going to give us a specific answer he's, he's to every single thing. So you might say, do I eat sausages or steak? It may be that you get guidance because you don't have any left in your fridge, maybe, but he's not going to go to that kind of level of detail. Uh, He's going to give other kinds of detail, like don't kill a human to eat them. I'm hoping that's not advice that we need to follow now. But you see what I mean? He's going to give us parameters. He will lead us. And it's not like he's saying, well, I wish I could communicate in some sort of way. He's in everything. And so you talk to him and say, help, and he listens. Trust me. And so he gives us direction in the dark, but he leads us by giving us boundaries. He gives us boundaries. And so when John, who wrote this history of Jesus' life in the Bible, he wrote a couple of letters a little bit later on to the churches. He said this in chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. He says, if anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer that 
that that well then that person who hates the fellow believer that person is still living in darkness anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble uh, living in the light of jesus is about loving each other any big or small choice that we make will be better off if we live in the light of jesus it's been staggering to see the news over the last couple of weeks. We, we, we you know, we, it was amazing what happened around the bushfires. I, I still remember the times when I, when I was in my uniform and I was out in the streets and, and I would have people walk up to me and shake my hand and say, thank you and thank you. And I know the extraordinary generosity that the people gave lots of their hard-earned cash so that, so that the RFS could be well-resourced to fight fires and so that the various communities could be resourced to, to rebuild. And it seems that there are some people in our nation now who are going into shopping centres and filling their trolley with enough toilet paper to last 50 years and the result is that others don't have any. It's like I'll give you a grand towards rebuilding your home but don't try and get me toilet paper from me. It's an extraordinary time. You want to see what love looks like. You want to see what following Jesus looks like. Uh, it, it's about showing genuine love. I, I was so warmed in my heart to hear some stories of some, some fellow Christians who were doing a little bit of a, uh, they put out a call out on Facebook and they said, if you have got excess stuff, take it down to our church and we will distribute it to those who need it. Now, that's the opposite of a, ho- opposite of a hoarder, isn't it? See, that is what following Jesus is like. It's what living in the light is like. But living in the light can also bring judgment. Living in the light can bring judgment. Some people prefer to live in darkness for that very reason. A little bit earlier on, Jesus said these words from John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Jesus has come into the world saying, I am the light, follow me. But some people say, no, I want to live in darkness. I want to be a person who is of the night, not of the day. Many people like to live like that because they, they go into darkness because the Bible says that they are evil. You know, youths, I'm saying youths are all evil, of course, but youths often wait till it's dark before they get into mischief. I think the grown-ups do the same thing, you know, just putting it out there. And the dark side of prostitution and drug-related crime often happens at night. And we have a number of people here who work in emergency services within our church. Uh, they will have an exciting but, you know, full of interest shift when it's nighttime rather than when it's daytime. See, when Jesus comes, he will highlight all our wrongs and weaknesses, and that can be intense. It can be intense when we step into Jesus' light. But sometimes it's better to know what you don't know so that you can change. A few years ago, I went to the dentist 
And I sort of, you know, oh, I think I feel okay. And the dentist said, well, I, I think it's time for you to have a bit of an x-ray. I said, sure. So he put the thing in my mouth and the machine went all around it and stuff like that. And uh, then uh, he showed me the picture and it, it, it's a pretty scary thing. You see all those teeth in a big row like a piano. Uh, and he pointed out to me where I had some bits that needed cleaning and other bits and some holes. Uh, and then he said, okay, uh, he took some specific x-rays. Are you going to bite on this and all that stuff? And then showed me the holes that needed to be fixed. He, he highlighted my weaknesses and then he highlighted a payment plan. <laughs> uh, it was only when the light came through, in this case an x-ray, that I could actually see what was really needing work. And I was pleased he did because I, I don't have any pain in my mouth because he dealt with them back then. Jesus is light. He highlights what is in the dark so that it can be dealt with. But we need to not fear having that light. We need not fear coming to Jesus. When you do that, however, it will mean that your life is exposed and that is quite a scary thing, but it's worth it. You, you don't not go to the dentist because you're scared of having your mouth revealed for all the holes because then you'll end up with a whole world of pain. Likewise with Jesus, come to Jesus. He who is the light will highlight your life and he will then give you new life. Jesus will give you new life if you follow him. Come to the light. Have another look at the main verse from today. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That is why you want to come to Jesus. And he said something similar a few verses later, verse 12, sorry, verse, chapter 12, verse 46. He says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. If you believe in Jesus, you will not stay in darkness, which makes sense. You can't walk behind a guy with a huge spotlight and remain completely dark. The light will shed on you as well as it, as it reflects off the environment around you. When you follow Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we live in the light with him. And you might think, I don't want to do that because I'm not worthy. I don't want to be kind of in Jesus' light because I know my life. I know my darkness. I know what is hidden there, and I just don't think I'm there. I don't think he would accept me. He'd say, he'd look in the light and the dark, and he'd say, what are you doing here? I know what you're like. You're not what you're like. What are you here for? Go away. But no. And that is because we also know that the light of Jesus acts as a disinfectant. It acts as a disinfectant. Uh, we talk a little bit about disinfectant at the moment, don't we? Hand sanitizers everywhere, or maybe not as, as much as we could because we've run out of them, but we're washing our hands over and over and over again. Germs are a real thing, aren't they, of course? Re hear these things about what Jesus says. 1 John 1, 5 to 7, this is, what, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go and living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we, this is key, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. John says in his letter, the first letter, he says, God is light, there's no darkness in him. And he says, if you live in the darkness, then you're not really with him. 
And I've got to say that's a big warning, of course. That is a massive warning. Jesus invites you to come and follow him and walk in his light. As you do that, you will have your dirt exposed. And that's a scary feeling, isn't it? But we need to be in the full light of Jesus. And why is that? Well, when we walk in the light of Jesus, two things happen. The first is this, verse 7. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, fellowship with each other. In other words, we enjoy the common experience of living in the light. Living in the light of Jesus brings us together. Uh, Tonight, this is the smallest turnout we've had in church on on a Saturday night for, I think, five years. Okay, it's a long time. I know there are a few of you in video land, so that's okay. And I feel connected to you as we had that sort of chat out there before. I know you are there. We are together and we are together if you're a follower of Jesus because we have shared shared fellowship. We are in Christ. Living in the light brings us together. Even though we are physically apart, we have this connectedness because we are in Christ. We are in the light together. You have the light shining. You look, there's the light. I can see you. You can see me. We are together. But there's something else. There's another benefit to living in his light. The second half of verse 7 says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, living in the light of Jesus cleans us from our sins. It's like sunshine on the bed sheets. It's like sunshine through our car window. Light will, his light will fade away our sin. But how? comes by his blood. Now, this is weird. Uh, I, I know it's weird. It was weird last week to hear that we needed to eat his flesh. Very weird. Today, it's about his blood that makes us clean. You think that does not make sense. But it does make sense because the blood refers to his blood, which refers to his death, which refers to his sacrifice. See, Jesus died for us in our place. Here, early on in the Gospel of John, he's already starting to talk about this. He's already making it clear that the death of Jesus is the moment when everything changes. It's by his blood because it is by his blood that he will purify us and he will purify us from all the bad things we've done. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Jesus knows us. And if you think you've got no sin, you're kidding yourself. Jesus knows you have sin. And so you need to deal with it. And so what do you do? Well, the point of this is that the blood of Jesus purifies us. You want to have the mess of your sins cleaned up. You need to confess those sins to God. Uh, Sin is an interesting word. It's a Bible kind of word, and it's talking about an attitude towards God where we say we are independent of him. We don't want anything to do with him. We want to live our life ourselves. That's what most people in this world do. And sins are ways in which we show that out. Uh, Jesus said love one another, and we say, well, actually, no, I don't want to love that person. I want to love myself more. I'll go and get 
I'll go and empty the shelves of hand sanitizer and so on. Uh, you see, we want to ha- we've got these sins and we can only deal with them through Jesus and it's his blood that purifies us. So what do we need to do? Uh, you might think you need to do something really fancy. You might even feel a bit disappointed that you're not in this physical building, this consecrated church. I tell you what, it doesn't worry. It doesn't matter. This is just another building, okay? It's special to us. We love it. It's old and it's got memories, but just building. You just need to come to Jesus. Even as you connect via the internet, you need to come to Jesus and you need to say sorry. You know, sometimes when you have to fess up to someone, we need to go and say sorry to them. It's a scary situation. You think, I've been at war with this person. I've been enemies with them and I've done something horrible to them. And if I go and say sorry to them, they may well say, get lost and spit in my face. And you might feel that God will do the same thing to you. You know what I've done. You know the people I've hurt. You know the way that I've lived in an independent life. You know all the things I've done. And deep down, I think, why on earth would he let me? What is he going to do when I come and say sorry? He's going to say, get lost. But he won't. (laughs) If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will cleanse us from all wickedness. And so what I want to do right now is I want to put up a prayer on the screen and I'm going to invite you to pray it out loud. It's actually a prayer that has been written for Christians as we meet together in church. But it's a, it's a prayer that I think is an ideal prayer to pray if you've, if you've maybe never been a Christian before and you want to come to Christ, if you want to be in the light, then maybe this is a really good prayer for you to pray. Let me read it to you first. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. I'll read it first, and then after I've done that, we'll go back to it and, and we'll pray it together, okay? Uh, here's how it goes. It says, Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we've often gone our own way and rejected your will for our lives. We're sorry for our sins and we turn away from them. For the sake of your son who died for us, and here are the words, forgive us, cleanse us, and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a pretty simple prayer. If you'd like to pray that prayer, if you pray that prayer now for the first time, then Jesus will see you as in the light. He will bring you into his light and you will be cleansed of all unrighteousness. And if you're a follower of Jesus already, as I expect many of you are, then the good news is that even as you have gone through this week and have done things where you know you've done the wrong thing, Jesus says, come and tell me about them and I will forgive you. So why don't you pray this prayer with me, whether it's for the first time ever to become a Christian or it's a prayer that is a a regular kind of thing that Christians do to say sorry. Let's pray it now. You might like to pray it out loud if you're on your own or you can just think it in your head. Whatever it is, then let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we have often gone our own way and rejected your will for our lives. We are sorry for our sins and we turn away from them. For the sake of your son who died for us, forgive us, cleanse us and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way. For the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear these great words from 1 John 1, 7. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, 
then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen.